to the Authentic You podcast. I'm Gemma Sandwell, intuitive coach, TEDx speaker and energy healer. And I'm here to help you connect to your authentic best self so you can flourish in life and business and live your purpose every day. I bring you a combination of personal development tools, neuroscience, energy tips and expert speakers to help you be authentically you. Okay, so a very warm welcome to the Authentic You podcast today and a big hello to everyone on the membership. You can see us as we're doing this on video Um, and I am super excited to be joined on the Authentic You podcast today by the lovely Keith McGriffiths. Is that how you say your last name, Keith? Just Uh, Keith Griffiths, no Mick, but I like that ad that was good. I added a Mick, okay. That's good, it's good, I'll go (laughs) by it, I like like, it. I just gave you some kind of like Scottish... I, uh, you know what? It made me much deeper than my American roots. So <laughs> let's go with that. Maybe. Let's go for it. Um, awesome. So um, so excited to have Keith here today. And Keith teaches spiritual entrepreneurs to turn strangers into clients and their businesses into a movement using his story growth formula, which I'm so excited to hear about. With over 20 years in marketing for top companies, 15,000 15, I said I got this wrong last time, didn't I? I can't <laughs> this number right. 15,000 hours in training elite salespeople and incredibly and 1 billion in sales under his belt using the power of story. He's turned his passion for inspiration into a movement to help you own your story. And as a TEDx speaker and as somebody that's done their own, a bit of their own storytelling work, and I wish I'd had Keith in 2019 when I did my TEDx. So I would love for you to expand on that, Keith, and tell us more about the work you do and how you came to do this incredible work. Absolutely, thank you. So um, for me, I have always been a bit of a storyteller. My wife would say too much depth, but uh, and my kids as well, but I think I've always had this vein of storytelling in my world. Uh, It was, to be completely honest, a bit of a coping mechanism. Um, you know, we talked before we got on camera here and on audio that uh, I really lately, <laughs> the last few years, discovered that I'm an intuitive and an empath. I knew I was an empath. I pushed those feelings way down deep. Um, but one of the ways that I communicated with people because I was really shy in certain areas of my life is through story. And That was always this running thread throughout my life. Uh, When I'd go for a job in the interview, uh, most people would stack credentials. I would tell a story and I'd bring people along with me. And at the end of it, we'd be walking out hugging and, you know, go about our way. Same thing when I I went through my my career growth. It was um, it was a point where I was making really good money and I doubled my income in a matter of, uh, I would say, a six month period not based upon what I'd done the prior six years, but in fact, based upon the way I engaged people and my boss and our sales teams through story that took me to that that next level. It was really hard to compete when people have an emotional connection with you and when they they know, like, and trust, which is always what we're going after. But really, I'd say the last few years, it's been the cathartic element of storytelling that drew me back to it. So I have three children with epilepsy, which happened to be diagnosed right after I'd lost my father, who is very much my spiritual connection to uh, 
to the other side. And for me, that was a really tough blow. I had always confided in him. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't want to break down here, but I'd always confided in him. To your podcast, <clears throat> Kate, so all emotions <laughs> are welcome here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and he, I, I think at times I over-relied on him for that spiritual connection. So when he left this earthly plane, I was left stranded with no real knowledge or tool set to cope with that lack. You know, I was holding his hands when he left this world. And <clears throat> right around that time, I had to go in front of a sales organization, uh, a room full of, you know, between three and 500 people and deliver what was supposed to be a business speech. It was supposed to be pump them up. Let's go. Let's, you know, let's crush the number. Um, and here's why, and here's the strategy. And I just wasn't in a good headspace to do that. And I didn't tell anybody because I was a master repressor. I had this great ability to repress those feelings. Uh, and moments before I made the decision to take a few pictures of my father, put them on slides and hand them to the AV company as I walked on stage and they popped them on screen. And I didn't tell anybody that I was doing this. I just felt at that point, that's where the intuition started to kick in. It said, this, this is what you're supposed to do because <laughs> none of that other stuff matters. It doesn't matter as much as this. So I stood up on stage and I told the story about how my father was in the hospital. He had a heart attack, which by the way, I knew from 12 years old, that was how he was going to pass. Wow. So when we talk about uh, having, having a gift, I knew uh, that he would survive cancer. I knew that he would survive his injury for his back where he almost passed. And I knew that it would be a heart attack that would take him. And so sure enough, he did. But while he was in the hospital, he had spent four weeks um, with a small device that hadn't been available for the prior five years. Uh, <clears throat> and, and I stood up there and basically, you know, told this sea of people the story of my father's passing. And it's a bit of a blur. But at the end, I was in tears. And there was a room full of 500 people standing and clapping um, and cheering. And after that, I had some of the most profound connections with people that I'd known for years, years, and never knew things about them that I knew after that experience. And it changed everything. It changed the culture at my at the organization, changed how we approached everything. And so for me, that was a light bulb and 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 a clear moment of saying, "Wow, this this is something powerful." <laughs> and uh, and then taking that. And shoving it back in a box, I kind of said, okay, I've got to, I've got to go about life. Uh, and when my kids started to uh, be diagnosed and present with really bad seizures, I had no outlet. Uh, and I'm a creative, but I had no outlet. I shut off that part of me and I had no spiritual connection anymore. And so writing became that thing that was just cathartic to me. So I started to write for myself. Then I started to write publicly again. And all of a sudden the response was amazing to the point where I discovered my spirituality and my spiritual connection through all the people that came to me through the writing. And it wasn't until I would say about a year ago that it started to really formulate into very clearly uh, a thread of a business for me to help other people do it. Um, and, you know, since then it's, it's honestly one of the most profound things because it brings people like you into my life that, 
Otherwise, I'd have to go search for and explain who I am and what I'm about. And people come to me with these deep connections before we've even spoken. Um, and so I know that's a long-winded answer, but I'd say for me, uh, it's it's the the means of communication that that makes sense to connect at the heart mind um, connection, but at the soul connection. And that was where it just it exploded for me. Amazing. I love that. Absolutely. And talking about being authentic, I've had to keep muting myself to cough. <laughs> so to, Paul Keith is, um, is talking away and there's me on screen muted coughing. So um, just, to, <laughs> just to explain everyone in the membership can see what's going on as well. Um, <laughs> I it's love amazing. that. I, I, what I really love about that story is, and I think a lot of us do this, is we kind of push down and we repress that Um a, those kind of intuitive gifts, but be just like speaking our truth. And I actually had a little bit of a rant the other day on a live about how I kind of feel like we've forgotten that in the world there are people. Like, it's like we've forgotten that people are people. And, um, you know, you've been in the corporate world, I've been in the corporate world. And, you know, within, within that, it's very easy to kind of fall into like the numbers or the, the teams and the structures. And I'm just like, I've just got this big thing about saying like we're all human we're all people so we all have these stories we all have these vulnerable moments where we can connect and um that was a huge journey for me with my anxiety as well actually when mm. I was in, oh. in the corporate world you know I'd be sitting in a meeting and I'd be feeling like anxious um but not ever expressing it and ev and I'd be this fantastic swan of like on the surface, everything was fine. Everyone was like, oh, you're so calm. But like internally, I was like this, oh, this mess. And it was learning to actually, you know, what I learned is actually like the more I kind of spoke about it and the more I voiced it, the easier it, it was. Um, and similar, you know, with my with my TEDx, um, I can remember having that moment on stage of like, do I share that I've been through like really extreme social anxiety or do I not? And I can remember that moment of like, you've got to share it and once I'd outed it it was it was fine um so yeah that really resonated with with me that like moment of like actually we're all human and we connect through that because we all go through that experience so yeah. um so I love yeah. that the anxiety thing I, I think <clears throat> you hit the the nail on the head with so I was I've always been a very confident presenter from a young age my father always put us on stage said you're a leader sort of ingrained in us. He was a sergeant major in the military. And so grew up around um, those opportunities to, to show courage in everyday life. And so I became outwardly very much the same. I, I presented very well, was very confident. But inward, I was taking in everyone else's energy mm. as an empath and never releasing that energy and never communicating that energy. And that was really hard. I mean, 40 years of my life, I only, I'll say I've only really started to, to find outlets in the last year that have allowed me to truly turn that energy and transmute that energy into something bigger. And I think you, you sort of went through that same experience of saying, okay, I'm not going to try to be seen as perfect. I'm just going to be seen as me. And what everyone's here listening to is exactly that the minute you drop that guard it's actually disarming people can finally connect to you i can't tell you how many times clients come to me where they have amazing gifts but they're trying to be seen 
from a place of either fear or ego where it's saying, oh, I'm an expert. Look at me. You should hire me. Very few people will, unless that's truly how you feel inside and that's aligned for you. If you're not aligned with that mentality of this is me, I'm amazing, come to me, and you're you're doing it because you feel like you need to, that misalignment is going to cripple you. And it's going to create this dissonance that's going to ultimately result in in other ways to manifest itself. So you're not letting it out to people publicly. So you're going to hurt privately or you're going to hurt your relationships or even just your confidence erosion over time because you're not really aligned with who you are. But it, it is so disarming when you can actually drop that card, be yourself, and you'll watch that people, people will lift you up. And that's the key. We don't think so. We think that this is a competition and a doggy dog world or whatever mantra that society has placed on it. It's not a competition. We didn't survive as human beings to get to this point where we can have a conversation and meet in moments on, you know, the internet and find a way to have this conversation and then reach, you know, thousands or millions of people. We didn't reach this point because of competition. We reached this point because of collaboration and building each other up. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that breakdown for me, where I was just at the lowest point where I had nothing left to lose and I needed so much to have the outlet. It just rebuilt me piece by piece by sharing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I love that. And, you know, something popped into my head about being our authentic selves and I, I and I sort of captured it but I'm kind of I don't know my brain's kind of moved on but <laughs> there's something yeah there was something about what you said about the energy is that was it the energy having mm. an outlet so this is one of the things that you know we talk about with being our authentic selves actually if we're taking on everyone's energy and we're not finding ways, like you said, to outlet that energy. We're not our authentic selves because all, all we're full of is everyone else's crap, <laughs> for whatever mm -hmm. better word. And so we're not like we're not truly our authentic selves. So I kind of I talk about being our authentic selves as being like a clear channel as well. Like that's mm. kind of part of that that process. So what would you say? Um, what would you say if you were to give um some key um some key tips on being your authentic self, Keith, what would, what would you, what would you give? Yeah. So I'd say first and foremost, <clears throat> become a master of your state, really managing your, your level of vibration, if you want to call it that your, your overall state. I think so often when we operate, we think the default is losing. I've just started really talking about this very publicly because I've talked about it privately for a long time, but there are really two different ways to look at life in a simplistic lens. One way is that by default you win and the exception is that you lose. And when I say win, it, it doesn't mean millions of dollars. It doesn't mean it's whatever you find winning to be by default, your life is at a high vibrational level. You're excited about life. You're, you're in a joyous state and things by nature fundamentally will, will look different to you. You'll see the world through a different lens that will ultimately manifest, you know, through law of attraction and mm -hmm. many of these different terms, they're all describing the same behavior, which is when you're in this high vibrational, high energy state and 
you're seeing the world in this way, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You still, you think, you act congruently with that, and, and you go forward. When you get into these low vibrational states of fear, anger, self-doubt, self-loathing, which most people's default is, that's where the problems begin. Because now your energy is attracting that negative energy because you're quite literally looking for it. You're trying to be validated by the thoughts and actions and feelings you're having. So you're bringing more of it towards you. You're internalizing it. And it's the same reason that when you go to the grocery store and one day you're singing and dancing to music and somebody does something rude, it doesn't bother you. But the very next day, somebody does half as rude a thing and you, you're you ready to get into a fight with them. <laughs> Never happened to me directly, but... Um, <laughs> But for me, it's my kids. You know, I, I know when I'm in that state, when something that normally I would look at them and say, oh my God, that's hilarious. I'm all of a sudden thinking like anxious about like the noise or something else. That's when I realize, ooh, I need to stop. I need to figure out what's going on and use one of my tools in my toolkit to change my state, which for me, I have a toolkit, which is, you know, I dance, um, put on my favorite music, pump me up music. I listen to AJR a lot. I listen to Imagine Dragons. I'm an alt rock guy. You can see my guitar behind me. Yeah, um, I saw your guitar. <laughs> so, uh, so that, uh, the other thing I, I started doing is, um, I, I like VR, you know, Quest 2, mm -hmm. um, which I use to, to do like exercise, Supernatural, which is a good one I posted about the other day, but all sorts of different things, something to get me out of my state. And then more common ones that, that I use for everybody and recommend they do is meditation. And I would recommend for, for most people who aren't really used to meditating is guided meditations, whether that's something you've downloaded from, you know, one of the, the many apps out there, or YouTube has some amazing ones. Jason Lovegood has some amazing meditations, um, you know, those things. And then I would say the other one is uh, from YouTube, just to, to follow that thread is find somebody that you listen to that just sparks inspiration. You know, I do that a lot where you have to, you have to almost jumpstart your mind at times. And there's a reason that artists work in artist communities. It's not so they can rip each other off. Mm -hmm. It's because they're inspired by other people's art. And so those conversations, getting around people that spark your interest, share your passions, creates that environment where you are more inspired, you can manage your state better, and you can then create from this place of love. And that's what it's all about. If you can create from love, instead of from fear, then all of that energy that's boiling, just gets pulled out of you and transformed into something beautiful. Amazing. I love that. And there's something about that, isn't there? I know for me, when I've been to like museums and art galleries, and I might be like looking at something completely unrelated and suddenly get this like massive hit of inspiration or a new program I've suddenly downloaded for my clients. <laughs> like, and yeah, I think that's really, um, that's really key. And I feel like you, what you've done is like given an and so to my, to the things I talk about in my TEDx. So like, as you were talking, I was like, Oh yeah, I talked about this in the TEDx and this and this and this, like the five activities I did the research on um so you know you've got the movement the meditation the kindness um you've kind of like ticked all the boxes there for those positive psychology activities and then the inspiration and being around other creatives I feel like you've given me a sick <laughs> so that's amazing <laughs> it's like 
TEDx and some. There we go. <laughs> and extras. So I love that. Love it. I love um, to be associated with anything you're doing. So, <laughs> oh, so um, yeah, I, I think that's really important. And meditation, I would say like meditation is my, like I would, I feel completely lost if I haven't done my meditation in the morning. Um, and my dancing, yeah. funnily enough, like I um when I wasn't very well in January, I, I let go of the dancing and um, I've got that back and that makes a massive difference, doesn't it? So I will just say that <laughs> I had, it's funny the things that you reject are sometimes the very things that you need. Mm. And this culture of sort of people, you know, on Facebook dancing and stuff, I always thought when I scroll through, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? Nobody wants to see you dancing. And then I, I, because I didn't get it, I was really in a depressed state and I was really at a low, you know, vibrational state. So that's a good example of it didn't hit me in the right way because I wasn't there. I wasn't at the same frequency they were at. And then when I was, I lived most of my life in the mental, right? My mental body is exceptionally strong. And so I over relied on my intellect as a tool to navigate all of life. I, I almost exclusively. And I mentioned my dad with the spiritual connection. I didn't really have that connection to guide me through. I wasn't developing that body. And, um, and so for me, I always associated dancing with physicality, movement with physicality. That was it. So the purpose of movement is, is that, but then as a musician, um, some of my most inspired work was when I was playing music and I let go of that. I wasn't listening to music in the car. I was listening to audiobooks exclusively and podcasts, which these are awesome, but you need to balance. Um, and so what was happening is I was taking in so much information that I was thinking all the time, but I was never able to release and to allow myself to just move freely and to take advantage of that connection. I mean, music by nature, is one of the things that completely can transform every layer of your being in an instant. You know, that's why you can go from having a tough day to putting on a song and be at the point when you were, you know, 10 years prior laying in a field with a friend and it can bring you there that quickly. Uh, but I had sort of discounted all of that. And it wasn't until honestly, I, I just sort of randomly discovered how good it felt when I wrote after I was doing it. I was like, wow, this is it. I'm missing this. <laughs> so it's definitely something that I rejected from social media that I'm now a huge fan of. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. When I saw, first saw people dancing on Instagram, I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, what are they doing? And then like, as I built my confidence, um, I remember what, one day I just decided to just dance on an Instagram story and thought, I can do this <laughs> and it felt really yeah it felt really empowering and um, I actually had a coaching session with a client last year which is really memorable where she said I need to dance more as one of the coaching actions and I said when are you going to do it and she said right now I said okay so we put on faithless insomnia and we both just started dancing on the coaching session <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing that's, that's impressive it was so much fun it was like let's just do it right now <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing so um so I'd love to know more about your story story growth formula 
Keith. Um, what is it that you do specifically that you help clients with in their amazing stories? Sure. So, yeah, so so essentially the, the framework is built. Um, it actually follows the word story. So it's an acronym, um, but the S starts with self. And so just like we were talking about, it, it's managing your state, managing yourself and understanding really why are you doing what you're doing? You know, what is it that you're that you're drawn to? And so often I think that that is a that's the biggest gap, actually, is that people will spend a lot of time thinking about what can I do? What will people find valuable? But let's be honest, if we look around the world, I use an example where I tell people, how many ways can you cook an egg? And they'll come up with a million different ways. And I'll say, well, which way do you prefer? And they'll say, oh, I like this way. And it's like, well, that's what you're doing here. It's like, you have a preference. There's a, you have a choice. You know, there's a million ways to serve an egg. There's a million ways to, to serve yourself to the world, but there is a reason you choose one versus the other. And so we start with self and it's really around getting clear on your why, who you want to serve and um, identifying your origin story. And so I'm a big believer in origin story as the primary vehicle for defining yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not only how you can communicate your worth, but it's actually how you derive your worth internally. So <clears throat> S is for, for self, T is for tribe. So <clears throat> now it's about understanding your tribe, understanding their struggles, their life situations, um, and what kinds of situations are they in that you can relate to with your stories. And so thinking about um, a good example with a, with a client recently, he is exceptionally good at um, using all of his gifts to transform people through, through challenges with relationship, health, um, but really with the goal of, of bringing themselves back into balance. And he wanted to do that to help creatives, but he wasn't telling stories that were related to creatives. He was telling stories that were related to, you know, grandpa and grandma and, yeah. you know, people he was helping. <clears throat> um, the stories and the tools were great, but uh, he was skipping part of the story that would steer them back to the point, the challenge of the people he wanted to serve. So getting really deep into your tribe and understanding where they are, what makes them tick. And there's a process we go through um, to actually uh, take people through where they hang out, so to speak, and get into their head um, and not to project. So, so often we project ourselves as the example. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> the reason we don't do that in this process is because the blinders are big. We, we have a lot of baggage that we want to say, well, the rest of the world is like me. Mm -hmm. It's like this. And in fact, um, when you take that filter off and you start to look at it through this process, you start to realize just like we were talking like, oh, there's this and there's that and these other, you know, these other situations. And it opens up the world <clears throat> of your stories. You end up with a story bank that's just completely full. You know, these one-liners that say, that trigger stories for you to tell. Um, and then the O is around <clears throat> creating that openness, that raw connection um, through the story. So this is where we actually teach the process of crafting your story, um, not just your origin story, which you've already done, but how to tell the stories around uh, the different areas of uh, attraction, uh, conversion, and then, <clears throat> and then amplification. So I say that to say, there's a story you tell to bring people into your world. You wouldn't st tell 
a stranger the story of how you got married to your wife, mm -hmm. um, you'd tell them, you know, probably a different set of stories to pull them into your world. And then once you built that relationship, um, if the goal was to, to sell that next step, you would tell the, the next story of transformation. And so we go through the, the stories to attract, the stories to, to convert, and the stories to amplify. And then the R is about resonance. So <clears throat> we got self, tribe, openness, and resonance. And resonance is about, it's not just about the story being put out in the world. Right? A lot of times, I, there are great stories being told. The problem is that they're not being, <clears throat> they're not resonating because people aren't taking the simple actions to engage their tribe as part of the story. Sometimes that's as simple as they're getting likes, but they're not really drawing people into the conversation to open up that conversation and then to create a relationship that resonates based off of that. I say your, your story is a campfire and people are standing around it and it's super awkward for you if nobody's really engaging and talking and you've built this giant you know bonfire for for everyone mm -hmm. right so your goal here is to start to engage people in conversation so we teach how to do that how to bring people into your world um similar to how you've come into mine you know i don't actually remember how the person who introduced us we got into each other's world but i'm sure it was <clears throat> it was through some form of story that connection or outreach that i i do regularly um where i lift people up go and find them, engage with their content, learn about them, connect them with someone else that I know that can help them. Um, and then the last one, the why is called Yugen, which is <clears throat> a really interesting Japanese term, but it means um, my version of it is it, there's no official translation to, to English, but it's this idea of the beauty that lies beyond and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. So it's the feeling like when you look at a mountain, and you see the sky beyond the mountain, knowing it's there, knowing that you're basking in its beauty, but not feeling the need to go get it. And that's the really the major part here is that once you've activated your tribe, once you've created this, this way in which to engage them, you then have to take the step back and change how you view it and be able to be <clears throat> okay with the fact that it's now grown beyond you. Most marketing and business growth is all about push and it's transactional. It's I'm going to do this and I'm going to get three customers. I'm going to do this and four customers. We're not creating a business. We're creating a movement that's going to then draw people to us and it's going to take on its own life. And so we're going to create a community and an environment where the people are more important than us. And the message is more important than us. And for me, that is, I can't, I don't want to show you the messy desk nest, but I have uh, transcribed on my wall or, or encrypted on the wall, not encrypted, engraved, um, own your story. And so for me, it's all about getting people to own their story, to, to own the power that comes from their story. And my community, you'll see these people all have different stories, very different stories. Some people that come are copywriters, other ones are mindset coaches, others are uh, Reiki um, practitioners. But in the end, <clears throat> they all have a unique story that's equally powerful, and they all lift each other up. And so you'll see networks of people around me that are constantly engaging, and then you'll see them engaging in other people's. And that's 
the beauty is I don't have to control it anymore. It's self-fulfilling. It's growing beyond. And that's what we do for uh, using the story growth formula is, is create something that's bigger than, bigger than you and bigger than your business. Um, and then ultimately the beauty is, was watching it grow and become something much larger than yourself. I love that. I absolutely love all of the, all of the parts <laughs> and um, especially the Japanese, what you, you again, it's Y U G E N. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's, and that's really interesting because you've actually just triggered a memory in me that I'd completely forgotten about that when I was in the corporate world and, um, we were working on a leadership development project. We actually called it the movement and it was very much led by bottom up. So we got the, the leaders to like start their own movements and then they were using like hashtag the movement. And rather than um, rather than it be, you know, the usual top down, we need to deliver some leadership development in, in this organization, L&D. I was in L&D at the time. It was like, L&D, mm. what are you going to do? Rather than it being a top down, we did bottom up, which is exactly like what you're describing mm -hmm. there. So I've just put two and two together. And yeah, we just got the leaders to like, same thing. They'd lifted each other up, shared each other's stories, shared their own stories. They're really vulnerable. And then you could see other leaders around going, what's this, the movement? Oh, they've put this like this hashtag in, what's going on? And it just like started. And this spark then turned into like this, this fire that just then, and then, and then you had like the senior, management in the middle management going oh my gosh like this person in my team has done this I better step up and it mm. just had this ripple effect of this movement so um yeah you just just triggered yeah. a memory there of my corporate days and um yeah that was obviously why we did it and I hadn't even thought about that at the time so yeah well yeah. and I think you said one thing that's <clears throat> no you said spark which is exactly how I describe it you know your, your goal is to spark the movement you know a lot of times you think of you need to control it but <clears throat> your your job is to build the environment where that spark can turn to fire and then fan the flames and mm -hmm. let it grow because it takes courage. It takes courage to actually put yourself out there in the beginning to be that spark. And then it takes courage for people to put themselves out there in order to grow. But what's really interesting is what you just said at the end, which is it teaches people how to behave. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I don't always talk about, but it, because it sounds a little manipulative, but <clears throat> whenever you meet somebody, they're trying to figure out how should I behave in this interaction? Yeah. Right? What is the norm that we're going to establish? And then when you look at a group and you look at group dynamics, it's even more complicated. And so you have this, you know, we all hear the term monkey see, monkey do, and, and there's studies that show if you <clears throat> introduce something to, uh, to an environment of, of monkeys, and then you remove one at a time and replace it with a new monkey, they're going to continue mm -hmm. to do the norm even long past when the reason they did it in the first place is gone. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're setting the tone for your community and your tribe on how to interact and behave. And so if you're going to be, you know, that's why you have the warrior mindset groups. I'm, I'm not a fan of, um, but th this idea of you know, some cultures, it's like a subculture, right? They've created, which, <clears throat> which you're, you're cultivating. For me, it's very much, uh, you see the, the community lifting each other up, encouraging each other, adding value. And that's in the beginning, a push that was me demonstrating that. And then 
as people are brought in through that method, they begin to do it for each other. Uh, and you build the culture and it teaches people how to behave inside of this community, which is ultimately feeding what they want, which is belonging. They want to be seen, heard, and felt. And so that's what you're doing as you build this, this mission and this movement. I love that. And it's so refreshing to hear you talking about that, Keith, because there's so, you know, there's there's so much push-push out there in the world. And just, yeah, I've just felt like from the beginning of being tagged in your post, I think by 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 Ollie, who interestingly, Ollie actually produced the music for this podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's there, he, he does music production as well as health coaching. So um yeah, it was like seeing that connection with you and then like feeling the energy of like what what you were doing feeling I guess the essence of that movement and I thought right I need to connect with this guy and then when you said about the (laughs) podcast it was just a you know it was a no-brainer really so yeah I love that no absolutely we've been talking for a while and I don't even know how long like how long for since I pressed record um (laughs) I could talk to you I could talk to you for hours Keith but um is there anything else that you'd like to like to share um around storytelling around being our authentic selves anything else that you'd like to share with the audience yeah I mean I think um for me I would just ask that everybody take take a moment to just think through what are some of the most highest highs and lowest lows you've had in your life just write them down don't judge them just write them down and that's the start of all of this which is the things that are emblazoned in your mind that you're using as anchors are guiding your life and you have a choice right you can choose to anchor on the highs you could choose to learn from the lows or you can choose the exact opposite and anchor on the lows and then selectively on the highs and so for me as a dad with three children with epilepsy it it's a reminder every time a seizure happens it's a reminder to be grateful and this is the meaning i've assigned to it which is the choice it's so important because you have a choice so often we think of purpose and we think we need a purpose we have one purpose of why we're here and i I would actually say since I've let go of that need to have a single purpose and instead said, what does this mean? It's completely shifted how everything in my life impacts me. Everything becomes a lesson. Everything becomes an opportunity to share, to grow um, and asking yourself, why do I feel that way? And then, well, now what do I want to do about it and being intentional? So each one of those is an opportunity to provide meaning and an opportunity to share that meaning. So when you show up, don't think of stories as something you need to overthink. It's something that you're going to have to build a muscle around. But once you do, it just flows. And every time you experience something, your brain's going to anchor it and you're going to say, hmm, I'm going to bring that up. And then you go forward and you do it again. And then just set a cadence. If you do that, you know, three times a week, if you do it every weekday, I do it every single day. I'm, I don't allow myself to not post a story every single day, no matter what the engagement looks like, no matter what uh, my life looks like. 
uh, I, I've set that standard for myself and I've held it and that builds confidence. Uh, and ultimately that's why someone who comes into my world will spend hours <laughs> reading, uh, and have a sometimes eerily deeper sense of my life than, than even I will. And they'll remind me of it. So seek the meaning. Don't get hung up on purpose. I love that, Keith. What an amazing ending point. I feel, feel sort of like speechless because <laughs> there's so much, like there's so much. And I like to kind of go through and go, oh, that's like, that's a great point. That's a great point. And kind of pick up on what you said. And there's so many things. And like my brain is already gone, oh, where do I go? That's, yeah, I love that. And yeah, what I, I really love you said about just, you know, how you set that with yourself, that, you know, that challenge to just keep just keep posting stories and keep sharing and I think like that's also that element isn't it of like once you create a habit that becomes like more powerful than any intention just you know just showing up sharing being vulnerable and you do you do post amazing posts as well so um, <laughs> thank you yeah they are yeah they are very yeah. read worthy um <laughs> yeah so really inspirational and I, I sometimes feel like I um I share too many stories but actually like I don't think that's um now I've been speaking to you I've realized it's not probably not so much of a bad thing so um yeah yeah I love I love sharing my stories <laughs> yeah it, it's the you know I, I'd say it, it's your stories I, I've enjoyed reading you know again you know we're on this call together and we have a deep sense of each other mm. because of those and <clears throat> I know we're supposed to close this, but I'll just say, you know, when we talk about growth in business, we have this misnomer, we call it content. And I posted <clears throat> around this in my group the other day. When you think of it as content, it's a box to be filled. It's space to fill. And you think about it from this idea of, well, I need to find something to fill the box with today. And so that I'm visible, but you, you forget that if there's no, depth to that relationship being built, not everything has to be insane. It could be a photo of something that matters to you, but as long as there's meaning behind it, mm -hmm. then that's great. If it's just to fill content, then that's a problem because you're, I, I say most people are amazing at creating invisible content, which is filling the box that mm -hmm. people scroll right past and does nothing to further your relationship with them there's no point filling the box is there there's no point filling the box just for the sake of filling the box um when actually you could tap into something and it's so it's so healing as well to share a story isn't it and like like you said earlier you know that emotional release as well of sharing that story um with your with your formula I think it sounds you know it sounds <laughs> like magic because it's not just using Facebook as your therapist but <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, right. although it is very healing to share your story it's then putting like thinking a little bit about the impact of of what you're sharing and um and what that is then going to create and creating that movement as well I, I love that mm. yeah th there's there's someone specifically that I'm helping right now who's not a client but I just feel compelled to help her through a journey she's struggling with um former TEDx speaker and this happens a lot you know people that have written a book or been on a TEDx and they're struggling to reclaim who they once were because they've hit some sort of stumbling block where their confidence was shattered. Mm -hmm. um, COVID hit, you know, for a lot of people speaking, COVID hit and they didn't know how to adjust. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes just the sheer effect of setting that 
that date to show up every single day or on a cadence, it changes how you think about things because now all of a sudden you, you realize you need to, you want it to have meaning because if you're going to show up, why would you not want it to have meaning? And then you start asking yourselves the questions of what matters to me? So it's it, what started is just the simple, I'm going to show up and <laughs> ends up with deep self-discovery and I think about the other side of it is I have three small children who are one day, if Facebook's still around and given their switch to meta, I'm sure they will be, mm. but these, these stories are going to live out uh, there for a long time. And, uh, and I think that's to me sometimes even more of a drive than necessarily the immediate result. Mm. Legacy. I bet you've, have you ever taken a strengths profile Keith? I imagine legacy is a way up there on the. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been some years, but yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I definitely have always thought, even before I realized that of my beliefs that that we don't just have a single. I, I truly believe that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. Um, I rejected that for a long time, um, but I, I've really come to believe that. And and when you start to look at it from that perspective, you realize that. We have a moment in time, if you think of time as linear, we have a moment in time here to, to create an impact and to help other souls that are out trying to find their way through and heal their pain. And um, through our own healing and sharing that healing, um, and sometimes just sharing the pain is enough to, to bring those souls to you. And then sometimes the combination is what's required to heal. So... Yeah, completely believe that uh, legacy is a is a key element, um, but we can reach through space and time through our writing and stories. I mean, we think back to authors of of so you know, hundreds of years ago that are seen almost as contemporaries today and still influencing the way that society leads its you know daily lives. That's that's potent and powerful, and we no longer have to build a printing press to do it. And that's that's when the magic happens. Aren't we incredibly lucky? <laughs> yes. Like say, we don't have to build a printing press. Like we can share our words digitally. Digit. I go struggle to say that word digitally. <laughs> digitally, and um, yeah, and share them out like instantly across the internet. Like how incredibly lucky are we? So, yeah, a bit of gratitude for that as well. Yes. Um, so, how can we reach you, Keith? Yeah. So I. Um... I would send everybody actually to my Facebook. So just go on Facebook and search Keith D. Griffiths, G-R-I-F-F-I-S. Um, or you can search for Transformational Coaches Society, uh, which is the Facebook group. Um, it's not the name now. I just changed it, but it's the URL. So facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Transformational Coaches Society. And um, you'll find me. You'll find me there. Awesome. Thank you. Keith and I'll pop that in the show notes as well of the podcast so that people can um, can find it and yeah not not Keith Mick I added to your name earlier <laughs> that's right I get my kilt on so I'm, I'm yeah. ready to go I'm gonna go do yeah. my dancing you now you can get your kilt on for the next podcast then I think that <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure anybody wants to see that but we'll try <laughs> oh, amazing uh well thank you so much Keith for, for being on being your authentic self, sharing your stories with us and um, gracing us with your presence. Um, 
it's been amazing so um yeah really lucky to to have you here today speaking um get to meet incredible people all over the world by doing this podcast so i'm very grateful so thank you so much and thank you um, we'll uh, leave it there thank you Key. and if you enjoyed this podcast join me over in the authentically you course where i'll take you through my tried and tested methods to connecting to your most authentic self the course includes positive psychology and happiness tips for you and your business, connecting with your unique superpower strengths, why energy is the missing puzzle piece, how to clear and align your energy, and how to speak your truth, speak on stage, do lives, and get your message out into the world, shining your light even brighter than before. So get in quick, head to the link in this bio, and join me to be more authentically you.